0: What's up world? Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. They 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 insert here.
1: Yo.
2: It's a terrible game. Bottom line, it's terrible in every way. Graphically it's terrible. Gameplay is terrible. It's just terrible.
1: Uh, angry Nick
2: Mad. That game sucked, and it's going to suck no matter how many revisions they make, and it just sucked even more because they put a connect with it. Uh, uh, angry Nick Mad. Or if there's violence, I'll just laugh and
0: enjoy the fun. Kaz Hazari. Hazar. Marani. Kaz Harai. 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 They just kind of got tired of Angry Nick on the first one and
3: said, I'm going to pass.
2: Chris. Oh, yeah, so I do. It's me. Precisely. No, no, no. I, I, per- I no. do all my work. No, guys no. no. yeah, don't do it. Oh, thank you. I try.
0: I mean, let's face it, Mario, and to a lesser extent Zelda, is what carries Nintendo at this point.
2: Always be radical.
0: I love you, little podcast. You're the bestest thing ever. For the promise of the new Super Smash Brothers and the Zelda game, yes.
2: You will not find a better story presented in any other game genre, in my personal opinion. Like, JRPG have that. They have that story. That's what the entire game felt like. Oh my... God, I want to bang my head into a wall.
1: It's a, it's podcast? this make sense? Can someone remind me? I
3: thought it was a video
0: game podcast. You are listening to the Game Source Podcast. Hello and welcome. It's Game Source Podcast number one thirty-eight. It's going to be sort of a special edition as we're uh, recording this on on hopefully what will be multiple occasions. Uh, my name is Gerald, better known as Yes Elvis Lives, and I'm here today with uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, uh, the director of the, well, it has to be one of the best films, uh, high, most highly rated films of this year. Uh, it's the documentary, Nintendo Quest, which you can see uh, not only on Vimeo with uh, Sorry, reviews. my dog is
3: going nuts. I apologize what, there. Does your
0: dog disagree with the, the you know, critiques for I Nintendo Quest?
3: I don't know what he's up to. Um, something's afoot. I can okay, tell you I was, much.
0: I was going to say, because that, you know, that that helps feed his, you know, gets him food is, is Nintendo Quest. So. Good,
3: old, good old George, is, is, he's anxious to uh, jump in on the discussion and debate about Star Wars. I think that's what's going on with him.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Nintendo Quest, which you can get on Vimeo with bonus features, plus you can also get it on iTunes and buy the DVD on Amazon.com as well uh his name is rob mccallum and it's a great pleasure to have you on the show again my friend how are you
3: i'm doing well i'm a little under the weather so i do apologize if i don't sound 100 uh, percent and if i occasionally may have to blow my nose but i'm here for the challenge for the sake of uh representing thoughts and opinions on star wars the force awakens fair
0: enough fair enough fair enough <clears throat> and i know uh our good friend jay your best friend jay uh, my good friend as well uh, the the master of everything on the podcast called Galaxy Far, Far Away has uh, been very opinionated as far as his thoughts on, uh, on the movie itself. And uh, quite frankly, we're going to have a uh, discussion today on Star Wars The Force Awakens and also as well the our Game of the Year thoughts. Uh, so if you don't want to hear either, there's uh, going to be lots of spoilers. So this is just a preface. On, on all the occasions this week, we're going to be talking Star Wars and Game of the Year stuff, so... Uh, if you don't want to, you know, anything to persuade you on that, uh, you know, might want to hit the shut off button right now, but, uh, so we're going uh, full being,
3: on. Is that, is that what you're saying? Full on. We're going yeah. 100% spoilers.
0: hundred percent spoilers. I think if, okay. you, you know, if you're going to go in, you're going to go in all the way. I mean, uh, there's already spoiler casts out there. There's already, you know, numerous, numerous articles that, that have spoilers. Sure. Um, so, uh, I think, uh, it is, uh, you know, about time that we, we discuss it. Uh, it's just, well, you know, it's one of the large, is the largest domestic opening here in the United States uh, as far for as now. concerned. Yes, for now. Um, and one of the largest openings uh, of all time. Number two, I believe, behind Jurassic World uh, with over 500 million. Uh, so it definitely, uh, definitely warrants a great bit of discussion indeed. Uh, but before I want to get into that, I also want to talk to your GamerCast, and how people can get a hold of that uh, on, as far as Podomatic is concerned, uh, your great show, which you dedicate to everything gaming, uh, and also how they can become a Patreon subscriber and uh, be able to get the great things that are even more available to them on GamerCast. Uh, it's you, Jay, and Glenn. Yeah, they are great guys. The
3: easiest game. way, honestly, is just go to patreon.com slash gamercast. Um, Patreon is obviously a subscription based site, but for only a dollar a month, you get a 20 minute extra long episode, usually on average per week. We're now doing five episodes a month thanks to milestones that we hit on Patreon. There is a free version that you can search on iTunes. There are links available on NintendoQuest.com. We do have a Facebook page, Facebook.com slash gamercastnation. We are all over the place. NintendoQuest.com is really the the kind of major hub, and you will find links to it there. But really, do yourself a favor. Spend a dollar a month, Patreon.com slash GamerCast. And we just recorded our New Year's Eve episode last night, and there's going to be an exclusive episode just for Patreon listeners where we talk about what the future of Nintendo Quest is and get very specific with sequel ideas. So it's it's, now is the time to... uh, plunk down a dollar and be part of the in crowd fair enough
0: fair enough and uh i know i've been, been persuaded by the dark side to do that for quite some time i i want no, next time i see you i i have i have a uh, well, I don't have a 12 dollar bill but i have a 20 bill that I, i've been waiting to give you uh uh you know i wanted to do it face to face because you know i love photo ops and i love to post ads on facebook after that but uh i might have to just go ahead and just go do it over the good old-fashioned credit card plastic type deal because I do want to hear uh, what the future lies for, for Nintendo Quest. Again, it is one of the highest rated uh, films of this year. That's, that's no no BS, no bull. Uh, it is, uh, you know, if you look at all the different, uh, and you have a listing on NintendoQuest.com of all the, the, the reviews, including our own here at GameSource as far as that's concerned. Uh, you know, all the different entities and outlets that have reviewed your film. Is that
3: correct? Yeah. I mean, I think we're, I think we're close to th- like 30 and then it's, it's just too much for the site to handle to constantly keep posting updates. Um, and for whatever isn't in print, there's audio versions out there floating around with a num like a like just tons of different people, like a number of different sources and outlets and podcast groups that have talked to Jay and I. So it, there's there's no shortage of information to find on the film and what people think about it. So check it out. It's another fun ride. Um, it does divide some people here and there too. So it's kind of interesting that we talk about that as we get into star Wars, which I think by nature is going to divide people.
0: Uh, that's true. That's true. indeed. And uh, I know you and I discussed that a little bit last night as far yeah. as it's concerned, uh, it's just, uh, but it is a, in my opinion, a, a well-made film. uh uh, kudos to you and jay on on all your things that you did this year as far as the the power tour is concerned taking it to to the streets and to the fans out there and all the theaters all across this country in fact you know abroad you went to canada and you showed it off in as well in the uk um and and you still have plans to show it even more correct if i'm not mistaken
3: yeah we just uh literally this this week, today, we just announced the Toronto Screening's official. It's on uh, Wednesday, January 20th at 8 p.m. at the Royal Theatre. We have a screening on the 17th in Kingston, Ontario. So those two towns are only two hours apart. Uh, and the Kingston screening, it's all for charity in conjunction with Extra Life. We're not making a penny off it. I think the theaters, you know, uh, waiving the the rental fee, I believe. We've almost sold out the small theatre. and We're trying to get to the big theatre And we just want to basically give something a little back to the community and everybody out there via Extra Life. And the Toronto screening has just been something that everybody has been asking for. And because of the cost of doing things in Toronto, it was really hard for us to do it uh, without sacrificing two or three other screenings. Um, so we thought it would be more beneficial to the film to roll it out across those three other cities versus the one city in Toronto, especially when we already had our London screening. So in the end, it's all working out, and it's cool to see that there is still a request for Nintendo Quest to be screened theatrically. It's a, it's a community film, and that's the way it should be seen. It's the best way to experience it.
0: Awesome. And uh, one quick question on that, now that uh, seems to be uh, the going thing these days. When uh, the sequel to Nintendo Quest is is made and is ready to appear are you going to be running it in in uh, conjunction with the original antenna quest you know back to back for that that massive marathon showing
3: uh, that really depends on the format of the sequel <laughs> fair, enough.
0: The, fair enough the
3: follow-up projects range in in a, in a bunch of different fashions when you become a patreon backer you will hear us discuss that exact question what form should the sequel take if there is a sequel, and why should it be that form, and uh, why?
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Or even a Rob McCallum Film Fest with all your oh, various projects. You just stop have... it right
3: now. Fair just enough, fair enough. Just stop it.
0: Well, you know, just trying to help you out there as far mm-hmm. as get, get those plugs in. You know, I learned for the best when it comes there to you go. Uh, advertising uh, yeah. one's projects.
3: But, uh, <laughs> I've created beginning. a monster.
0: This is true. This is true. Uh, just as I have with with you know your your streaming capabilities. But um, be that as it may, uh, the reason why we're here mainly is, like I said, Star Wars: The Force Awakens came out to a huge, huge audience. It it met, I think, what most people would say, most financial uh, as far as predictions and 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 what analysts had said that the movie was going to do, uh, pretty much right around, hit right around the number. Um, Your thoughts initially when you were sitting down in the theater to watch Star Wars The Force Awakens.
3: I can't believe the number of trailers that are preceding this film. I think there was like eight, which was like astronomical. And then it was really strange not to have the 20th century Fox fanfare lead into the Lucasfilm logo. That was very strange for me. It was just like the Lucasfilm limited thing came up. And it it still hadn't hit me that I'm watching a new Star Wars. And I still feel like I haven't seen a new Star Wars film. And that's not a dig. Although you could interpret it that if you really want to nitpick on the language. Um, I, I guess it really hasn't hit me. I never really bought into the hype because there was so much going on. And I don't watch a lot of TV. So I never saw like, any of the TV spots. my Going into it, I'd really only seen the trailers and the teasers they released. And that was enough. I'm just too busy to kind of get uh, swayed by all the marketing. So... I kind of sat down with medium expectations, I would say.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. And I agree with you on that. But you got to remember, obviously, you know, as well, it's a financial decision by by running all these trailers beforehand. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, even even <clears throat> so far as uh, Microsoft and Sony with PlayStation and and, and Xbox running Halo 5 and, and Uncharted uh, videos at Selected theaters. as well. It's a major financial decision. They want to capture that audience to you uh, and it just really just you know i if that's to warning if you haven't seen the movie yet and you were watching this as far as spoilers are concerned and you really want to spoil it for you we're going to spoil it for you i mean that there's a whole lot of trailers before the film <laughs> indeed um yeah and well on that note as far as it's concerned, because i noticed uh as well and we have a re- i have a review that i posted uh over the weekend on our in case you missed it page at yourgamesource.com uh, I also noted the, the tremendous amount of callbacks to the film um, as far as it's concerned. Uh, and sometimes, uh, and even though I, I rated it very strongly overall, I, I just uh, wanted to uh, say that I think there was a lot of uh, you know, callbacks to the point where it was a little overdone. Uh, and, and your thoughts, Rob, on, on the fact that maybe it might have been a little bit too much nostalgia thrown in there?
3: That's hard to say because that's what they've really marketed this as, right? So they've said, you know, we're going back to the original cast, essentially continuing that story that was left 30 years ago. So how much is not enough and how much is too much for the sake of story? There has to be a good dose in there if we're continuing the story. But at what level does it become fan service versus plot purpose? You know what I mean? So it's hard. There were some really nice lines in there like, Early on, Max von Sydow's character, you know, speaks of Princess Leia or General Leia, as now she's called. And he says, she'll always be royalty to me. That was a nice, succinct line without putting it too much on the nose. And it really confirms that she isn't a princess anymore, which is a little bit of a fanboy debate that I've had with Jay. You know, I said she ceased to become a princess. She was never born into royalty to begin with. You know, the second Alderaan was destroyed, she was no longer royalty, so... <laughs> it's a harsh approach but be it
0: i would love to hear that argument
3: but technically i guess you know you could look at her as a descendant as the queen of naboo as well even though it's a an elected position you know and, and so by that rationale luke's a prince
0: fair enough fair enough yes yes when you look at it in that context yeah you're yeah. right on that um but yes we now as far as our viewers are twitch uh we are doing well uh thanks for asking and then uh uh, I guess the big plot as far as it's concerned the big plot concern is it's well Han Solo uh, my favorite character from the series uh, he he does play a prominent role in the actual movie as well uh, and uh, to what point does he play uh, as far as it's concerned did he play, was he too much in the film for your taste Rob? or, or was he in there a right amount before his not um, enough? Uh,
3: not untimely enough. device. None it's of not that. Enough. And I, I don't think it it has to do with lines or page count. I think it's the way that the story is framed. If I'm going to have any one major knock on the Force Awakens, it's the way in which the story unfolds and the way in which it's presented to us. Episodes four, five, and six, and even one, two, and three, to an extent, are framed from the characters that we know, or at least extend from the four, five, and six trilogy in the way that Obi Wan kind of leads the story in the in the prequels. Uh, with Anakin. Um, So to start episodes seven, eight and nine, and basically have it framed from characters we've never met, I think is a huge mistake. I understand why Disney's doing it for building these characters up and, and branding and making them important. But as fans know, fans of star Wars, especially love the background characters. They love the minor roles. That's why Boba Fett has gained such popularity because he's just kind of badass in the background. I thought it would have been a much better decision to introduce Finn and Rey uh, and even Poe to a lesser degree as characters that emerge and and slowly take the limelight in this new trilogy rather than being thrust in our face and then to allow the old guard again to have that kind of crossfade or that opposite gradient where we start with them and the baton is slowly handed off. Can you imagine how great The Force Awakens would have been if we would have... basically started on a scene with Han and Chewie in that freighter. And they're basically in that situation where Han is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yes, How great really. would, would it have been? With, which is with some of the stars? You hear me say over and over again on this podcast.
0: With some of the stars of, of one of my favorite movies of this modern era, uh, The Raid Redemption, uh, which I really, uh, really appreciated them being in the film as well. Um, and uh, shout out right away, quick, real quick, to Bearable2as119 for following us. Uh, I just uh, wanted to appreciate it. And we're actually going to get a few more Twitch followers in here. Uh, we appreciate you watching uh, again. We are dealing with uh, star Wars, the force awakens spoilers and a little bit later on some of our game of the year thoughts for uh, Wii U 3DS and overall. So we appreciate you joining us here on the game source podcast. Um, I, you know, like I said, Han Solo is my favorite character. And, and I, you know, as much of him on the film, I guess, as, you know, as, as possible is always a good thing because I think he carries the film quite a bit when he's on. Um, his untimely demise was, was very heart-wrenching for me. Um, you know, it's a
3: waste. I'm just going to come out and say it's a waste to kill Han at this point. I think that it makes sense in a story world, and I think that there are motivations there for him to die and die at the hands of Kylo Ren or Ben Solo, depending on your point of view of who that character is. But I think it's a waste to introduce Han at maybe the lowest point of his life and basically be cast away when there could have been so much more dynamic play between him and Leia, who who is also equally kind of at a low point. You know, Nobody believes Leia and the Resistance for what they think the First Order is. They've been cast aside to essentially start the, the Rebel Alliance again on their own, She's seen as a bit of a warmonger. Nobody trusts her. She looks frail and unsure of you know any kind of confidence. All she knows is that she had a good time in the past and she doesn't know what happened to it. So much like the stars of the old trilogy, she feels like she's being replaced by this up-and-coming generation and she doesn't know how to handle it. So it's, it's just quite a shame that they didn't want to explore more of that dynamic and have you know that, that arc take place between at least Han and Leia and the fact that Luke... And Han will never see each other again is pretty crippling, especially when you hear, you know, Han talk about Luke. And I think probably that shot at the end with Luke while he's in tears is probably because he sensed that Han passed away. I think that's a big part of it, on top of all the other psychological issues that Luke is going through as a nutty old hermit on an island.
0: But and you and I both know and, and see reading interviews over the years that Han does not really have an affinity for this character. Uh, yeah, Harrison
3: Ford has asked that Han died in Jedi. And, yes, he so petitioned. Yeah. yeah,
0: So and uh, and it's actually not my favorite favorite of all the Han's uh, Harrison Ford characters. Uh, for I love Decker uh, from Blade Runner the most, and Indiana Jones always has a unique charm as well. Uh, which one is your favorite
3: Harrison? Parker? Oh, Indiana Jones by far, but then Han Solo, and between the two, it's it's a razor thin margin. to To be honest, honestly, The Force Awakens lowers Han Solo's appeal to me a little bit, just because of all of the potential of exploring that character that that there could have been. It's but.
0: Well, you could see it coming you know, from his interviews where he was saying the movie's so wonderful and he was appearing so much as far as in interviews and whatnot. Yeah,
3: it was almost like this is the last time I'll ever have to do this ever again.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. And what were your, th- your thoughts on as far as Princess Leia and, and her... Uh, General Leia. Yeah, uh, General Leia. And her lack of in- involvement in the movie uh, as a whole.
3: Again, there, there could have been tons of involvement. It's the way in which they told... The story they could have framed it completely different. Imagine what what the cameras would have been pointing at as the resistance was alerted to you know the 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 BB-8 droid being on this other planet as they you know basically mobilize their their X-wings and and take off and go after it and you could have just told the story from from her perspective and Han's perspective and it would have been such a more powerful film you know so the fact that they chose to limit. Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford's actions is really disappointing to me you know at least have one film where these guys are are the lead and they hand it off either halfway through this film or near the end and then let episode eight kind of take its course um, it really feels like Disney is taking over from from George Lucas yeah you know I, I, I'm I gonna agree. go ahead and read into that allegory and say that's exactly what this feels like oh we have another you know, whole set of people that want to play in this universe, and that's exactly what this feels like to me. And don't get me wrong, I don't think the film is bad. Uh, as a filmmaker and as someone like yourself, you just you, you instantly spot all these op- options for potential, and whether we've considered the domino effect of them or not, it's hard to say, but there's just some that are so glaring. Um, I, I would say that officially I feel like it feels much more like a TV show than it does a film. Maybe that's because we've been conditioned that way in the last 10 years to kind of view content in a different way. It doesn't feel like a big Star Wars event movie as much as it feels like episode one of a series called Star Wars, which is somewhat similar to Game of Thrones in space. You know, that's sort of tied to something that was, you know, made 40 years ago that has sort of been revived now. It just has a different vibe. I think people that are slamming The Force Awakens. We'll have a better appreciation for it when episode eight comes out, and episode nine, likewise, because that story will expand, and uh, by virtue of there being more of the pieces out there, people will like it more.
0: Uh, your thoughts on Luke, as far as uh, his, uh, well, he was he was the focus of of the actual movie as a whole, and the search for the from the first order, as far as to find him between the resistance and the first order to to find him but yet he only appears a very small amount in the movie at the end uh, okay to save him for future episodes or would you like to see him uh, utilize more in the
3: film luke skywalker i thought he was a myth how can he be a myth if he's only been missing for like 30 years if that 30 years we can think back to 30 years ago in our life so why is it so hard for people to do that in a galaxy far far away that's a weird kind of situation for me, and maybe for someone like Ray, who might be on the polar opposite end of the galaxy and you know, trickles of this guy named Luke Skywalker who helped destroy the Death Star and overthrow the Empire. Um, it feels like myth or legend, and maybe I'm nitpicking too much, but this gets to, to my other point of the film where it feels like they wanted more time to pass between the events of Jedi at some times and less at other points to suit other agendas. Um, honestly I would have ended the film with the Falcon taking off from wherever the resistance is and cut to the credits without having them discover Luke and for them to do essentially uh, Indiana Jones and the last crusade where the Nazis in India are both racing to the Holy Grail because they each have a different portion of the map and the clues to get there it feels like such a waste now that the map is put together to get there in five minutes when that could have been more of an entire film you know the the actual race to get to Luke um, versus just an ongoing chase movie where Finn and Ray are trying to get away and they're constantly followed and tracked by the first order only to essentially go to where the first order is, you know, housed and the death star. Oh wait, that's not a death star. Here's a graphic that shows you that this is not a death star.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, uh, well, one again, thanks uh, for everyone who's joining us. Uh, thanks also as well. I want to give a shout out to White Paw Nine for actually uh, hosting on his channel our podcast. We've got uh, a number of viewers now for us. Uh, this is the Game Source Podcast number one thirty eight. Uh, we're touching on Star Wars: The Force Awakens spoilers, and also as well some later on some Game of the Year thoughts. We're here with the director of Nintendo Quest, which you can get uh, available today on Vimeo, uh, Amazon and iTunes, it's Rob McCallum, along with me, Gerald, better known as Yes Elvis Lives. Uh, two of the things that I had uh, issues with, uh, although like I said, overall, uh, on our site at yourgamesource.com, on uh, the In Case You Missed a page, I rated very strongly, it's a lot of fun, um, was the the plot deriving from uh, you know the original Star Wars as far as it's concerned, and being very closely associated to that. I thought it was a little bit too much so, Uh, As far as it's concerned, I thought it lacked some originality. I wanted it to go off, the movie to go off in a little bit different direction as far as it's concerned in order to get where it needed to go. (laughs) Are your thoughts on that?
3: Uh, It wasn't horrible. I mean, you see it coming from the, the data that's stored in a droid to the cantina scene to the kind of desert orphan who's wanting a better life. Um... To even meeting Han Solo when they do to escape in the Millennium Falcon, it, there's there's a bunch of different things. It, the only thing that really irks me is the one thing I alluded to on the last topic is that no, this new weapon isn't a Death Star because a Death Star only kills one planet. So, what would be more dangerous? One that kills 10! You know, like, yes. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. Like, what's going to be the next thing? It kills a whole star system. Like, uh, yes. there's so many yeah like it doesn't have to be so like i don't know grand scale for it to be important look at empire you know the ending of that film was very personal and very character driven and if they they wanted to do more with han solo and, and kylo ren they could have really built it up to that i think that would have been a much bigger ending that had less fireworks
0: yeah i agree on that and uh Also, another thing that concerned me was uh, some characters, you know, because of the frantic pace. And, you know, uh, J.J. Abrams uh, does like to direct films. Uh, The first Star Trek reboot uh, was one of my favorite films of the past 15 years. And uh, uh, one of the things notable about it is how well it moved and how fast it moved. Um, But sometimes you can go so fast that you leave some things out. And one of the things that that I had, small issues I had with Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, was that um, it moved too fast for some of the characters, some of the side uh, uh, ancillary characters, as far as it's concerned, seem to get left uh, by the wayside, as far as yeah. their development is concerned. Obviously they're going to be developed in further episodes, but still would have been nice to get to know them a little bit more. Uh, your thoughts on that? Like Captain Phasma, I think is probably the one that stands out to me the most.
3: Yeah, but because they've branded her, I know that she's going to be a, a stronger presence in, in the future. It's it's just evident. She obviously feels very slighted by the events too uh, with her role and all that. And I think she feels personally responsible for Finn's defection. So I think all those seeds are planted there. Um, I just think that J.J. J. Abrams can make a movie so fast that he uses his speed as a band-aid to cover situations. Uh, I remember watching Star Trek Into Darkness. And unlike most people who watched you know, all six films or at least the original trilogy going to this. I watched Abram's stuff to kind of wrap my head around where he might be going with this. Star Trek into darkness moves so fast that you, you at first glance, you don't see all the plot holes until the movie stops and your brain catches up and you start to think about it. And I think that happens with Star Wars here a little bit to its detriment. I think the biggest knock in terms of speed is we don't really get a full understanding of what the landscape is of the galaxy and how things have shifted and and why people are in the position that they are in. I just posted on my Facebook, and maybe you can piggyback into the comments later, uh, a big Q&A. Uh, back and forth about the questions people had about Force Awakens and how the novelization clears some of that up and how some of the books that are coming out that take place before the Force Awakens and the comic books, you know, fill in some of those gaps. And it's just nice to see it all kind of a little bit neat and tidier. Um it helps my appreciation for the film seeing it laid out like that, which makes me wonder what why couldn't the film have laid something out a little bit more specifically? Um the the flash film uh, article yeah. Yeah, exactly. The 25 questions or whatever, you know, that we had about Star Wars.
0: I'm going to post that on both the Google Hangouts and also as well on our uh, four followers watching on uh, Twitch. Uh, So we appreciate that. It's going to come up right now for you. So if you want to check that out?
3: Yeah. And the nice thing about that is it mainly just confirms or denies some of the things, like I said, are going by the novelization. And it doesn't delve too much into fan theories, but it does kind of point out some questions people have and tries to speculate based on the evidence that exists using both the shooting script and other story ideas that have been kind of bantered around in different interviews as well. So that's interesting.
0: Uh, One question that was asked was uh, where do you think the series goes from here?
3: To a toy shelf near you. Um, (laughs) Obviously it's, you know, what, where is Luke and what, what's Luke's role and will he be the, the hero that's called to action that that denies that will he come around are are we going to be trying to pull luke out of the mopey swamp or is he going to understand what's going on is he going to be full of revenge because of what kylo did to han is he
0: it looks like he's you know hanging out on the islands there not to he not needs to, some yeah.
3: therapy that's that's yeah. all i gotta say luke's been on the islands for seven years by himself he probably felt the tremor in the Force between the 10 planets that exploded and you know one of his former best friends and he probably feels the pain of his sister there's, there's a lot going on for Luke mentally, and, and I'm worried about how they're going to kind of showcase that, what happens. I really, at this point, I really don't care what happens in Episode 8. They haven't left it on enough of a cliffhanger for us to find out. They answered the big question, where is Luke Skywalker? Um, there's really no big questions I have. It's all the little questions like, did I understand that right, which happened in The Force Awakens? I guess the big question is, you know, why does Ray know how to use the Force so quickly? Why does you know is she a skywalker will kylo ever turn since he feels the light side being pulled to him but it's not like any kind of major plot uh push i would say these are just kind of questions that will get answered over the entire trilogy rather than just the next one
0: do you think they left enough for viewers to come back in in the same amount a similar amount of of uh you know as far as the number of people going to the actual movie or do you think that there's going to be a huge drop off between now and episode 8
3: typically sequels drop about 20% sometimes 25% so i think you'll see 75% on the return so if this made call it 500 million the next one will probably open to 400 million and it's all dependent on the story that they want to advertise though and the direction they want to take it you know, I, I don't think it has anything to do with the backlash online, I think, because Star Wars now exists in the internet age where the prequels really didn't in, in the same social media sense. People are going to complain about it no matter what. But I think there's an audience there. But because people now know what it is, less of those people will go back to maybe experience it.
0: I had a pretty good question come out uh, from uh, Bearable who has uh, i think that's uh, t19 um he's asking um if finn may be actually a sith now he's thinking it said it sounds crazy but it goes against you know the jedi code and whatnot for him holding the the actual lightsaber uh do you think there's something more to as far as finn's character in that realm
3: I mean, the stuff that I've read with J.J. and even Kathleen Kennedy have said, you know, the Force surrounds us. It goes above and beyond a bloodline. So you don't have to be a Skywalker to be either. I think any of us that us in the Star Wars galaxy that want to tap in to the Force, it's the, the thing that separates you going from Jedi or Sith are the decisions you make and the desires that you have. You know, Anakin was on the fence you know luke felt on the fence at times too just like they're showcasing kylo ren on the fence between the light and the dark half so i don't think it's as simple as saying that this character is this or this character is that i think like for most of us it's an ongoing battle with you know some of the frustrations we deal with in day-to-day life sometimes we have to show restraint sometimes we give in to that and we become a little hot-headed about things but you know it's it's about how we react and deal to deal to that stuff so is does Finn have the ability to use the Force, I think in a broad scope, I think we all do, you know, or everybody does in in the Star Wars galaxy. Will he be a Force user is a little bit more complicated to say.
0: Uh, And uh, he was also stating as far as it's uh, more about, not more about the lightsaber, but more about the, the, the love and the hatred uh, as far as the dark and the light, and I know I think, that was that was used quite a bit in the film as far as those type of metaphors are concerned, especially when the you know the confrontation between the solos uh, exists. I think,
3: yeah, I think Finn might get pushed over the edge as he learns more about his past. That's obviously something that's been left in the open, and I think that's where Captain Phasma is going to loop back around since she was kind of in charge of his unit and you know was the one that said that he passed all the simulations as he was promoted from sanitation to stormtrooper. Um, so I, I think that she's going to play a huge role in, in how Finn develops and he might go off the edge. And I don't think it has anything to do with the ability to wave a lightsaber around or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think he could go off the edge easily.
0: And that's, and that's really what, uh, he was trying to say is it's it, that it was more about the, the dark side and and the light side, uh, and about the hatred and love than just about, you know, can't, why is he holding a lightsaber is concerned. Yeah. Uh, but, uh,
3: what do you think about this? this? This was an interesting thing for me to discover. They set up Rey as essentially the smuggler scavenger, very capable, very tactile, very Han Solo to the point that Han offers her a position. And then essentially they make her like a force user and a Jedi. So they have managed to combine Luke and Han into one female presence. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, do you think?
0: Uh, I think it was a necessary thing because I think they looked at the characters themselves that they had created and and realized that she is the only one uh, that is built strongly enough as a character, in my opinion, that can encompass all those ideals. Unless they bring someone new in episode eight uh, that can that can help her uh, take away from that uh, as you know and help her with that as a character but uh, she is ext- she was written and and played very strongly uh, my highest compliments to Daisy Ridley on her character because I think she really did a fantastic job uh, in the in the movie and I think she's one of the main reasons why uh, I want to say that that Star Wars Force awakens is a go see movie and is a lot of fun uh, despite, yeah, she... what, despite what we're saying as far as concerned that these with, the, with our ideals we want to say that the uh, from my end uh, and I don't want to speak for you Rob it is a fun movie to go see and it is definitely a a great uh, two hours and 15 minutes. So no,
3: Ray's a great character, but I, I do kind of maybe question meshing together a Han Solo type and a Luke Skywalker type, just because, you know, you don't have to like the main character in star Wars because there are other great characters that you can like. Like I've always liked Han Solo more than Luke Skywalker, but Luke is equally cool in his own right. Just like people will like Luke more, but they'll love Han as well. Or they'll
0: like Darth Vader or Boba Fett or or what have you.
3: And right now it feels like they've really boiled it all down to two characters. Essentially, Kylo Ren, because he's the big face of all the packaging and they've really pushed him. And he's the Sith in this one. Not that they're using that name anymore. And they specifically address that in The Force Awakens. There's not called the Sith. That was once a name used to describe those that follow the dark side of the Force. Which again is interesting. But you basically have Kylo Ren. Now that the film's over, you also have Ray. And those are the that's the main oppositions that they seem to have set up. That's not to downplay Finn's role, but at this point, they just haven't pushed him as much as they might.
0: Do you see that as an issue going forward that they haven't developed or they will not develop all those other characters well yeah.
3: enough to it's a it's a major issue. I mean, even as much as I wanna like Poe. You know, he's great. He's fun. He's energetic. He really lifts every scene that he's in. But he's very two dimensional. I don't get like a, a vibe from him one way or another about, you know, his flaws or what his weaknesses are. There's just no development that he's just very, you know, the same flavor every time we see him. And comes uh, in
0: with a rah-rah rah cheerleader type <clears> deal, <throat> and then boom, he's gone.
3: Yeah, and Ray, we definitely got a lot of different aspects of who she is, and same with Finn, but they never really pushed Finn's character enough for us to really grab hold. We just know that he doesn't like killing people, or this the thought of killing someone really hurts him, which would, in my mind, say that he might not ever drift to the dark side unless he learns more about his past that pushes that revenge aspect. But you know, there's just not enough to go on for Finn to care enough about him yet, despite the complications under the surface. Uh,
0: and uh, one last thing, as far as the concerned, before our final thoughts, uh, before we head to the game of the year uh, ish uh, talk, as far as it's concerned, Chewbacca. I know that was brought up as uh, another question, and some great questions on our Twitch uh, channel. and We appreciate it uh, uh, so much, as far as you you watching today. Yeah, Chewbacca. Uh, I thought he, you know, for a time he, he he was well used, but in the end, after after Han Solo's death, uh, I understand that the sadness there, but I just thought he was just pushed aside as well as a character. Your thoughts on Chewbacca
3: as far as it's concerned. Han dies. They come back to the Resistance, and he's celebrating with everybody, while meanwhile Leia is like holding Ray in arms, and they've never met before. Because Ray wasn't on where the resistance was, but Leia and Ray seemed to embrace understanding what had just been lost. But Chewie. Yeah. Did you not realize what, that Ray and we, Leia had never met? Right. Yeah. yeah. just Well, JJ's just moving too fast for people to care. Um, they had never met, yet they, we get why they're embracing because of the loss of Han. But Chewie's off partying like he doesn't care about Leia all of a sudden. Like, no big deal. It's okay. In uh, the fact that Han had never used his bowcaster before, like, what is that? What is that about? In the 30 years or whatever, he's never picked it up and realized how heavy it was or seen it in enough action.
0: Or um, what, it, what it can do.
3: Yeah. Chewie, like the droids, is a sounding board for the main character to kind of get things out and have exposition confirmed, unfortunately, in this. There are some moments where it feels like the mighty Chewbacca, like Jabba proclaims, but it, it's just few and far between. I think again, out with the old and in with the new.
0: Pretty much. And, uh, I don't, I don't see, I don't see great future in the next episodes. I'm sure he'll be sprinkled in there a little bit as far as the concern with eight and, and nine, but I don't know. Uh, you want to know the
3: oddest thing, like speaking of things that happen so quickly, 3PO puts his head in frame and says, you probably didn't recognize me because of my red arm. First of all, super, super clunky. It would have been way cooler to just leave that as a mystery. But at the end shot, as the Falcon takes off to go find Luke, he has the gold arm back. So not only is that line clunky, but it's irrelevant the next time we see him because he's waving at the Falcon with his gold arm.
0: And I believe the only way you find out exactly how he got the red arm in the first place is by
3: reading the yeah.
0: upcoming Star Wars comic. Is that yeah, correct? And,
3: yeah, and because he was hardly in this movie, I really don't care. And that's the <laughs> other thing, right? The droids have been integral to every single film. They have been the window. And while BB-8 is front and center in this throughout the whole thing, and a great practical prop, a great character, um, really connected with them, I thought they did a lot with that guy, um, it was really disheartening to see R2 and Threepio put on a shelf until magically the plot yeah. needed R2 to wake up.
0: Uh, that's true. That's true. And uh, um, it's kind of disappointing to see R2-D2's lack of involvement. It, uh, you know, there was a lot of lack of involvement. It, it focused around, and obviously the, Again, percent, the camera was on the
3: wrong side of the fence for me. Yeah. It would have been much cooler to see it on the other side. Like, why does BB-8 not know who R2 is? Obviously, 3PO does, because 3PO is talking to him. BB-8 has been with the Resistance for a while, because he's, you know, Poe's droid. But he's never seen R2, because R2 has basically a bedsheet over him, like he's already dead. He's in robotic coma. Nobody cares about him. He's on low power mode. Ugh, until the plot needs him to wake up. Mind you, I think in the next one, we'll find out that, you know, Luke triggered him because things had got too far now that Han's dead. So yeah. Luke reached out with the force and my brain like a lot of my friends have written a bunch of things in with luke being so far away that he's magically the architect behind the scenes. the puppet master yeah luke's connecting the dots for me for everything that doesn't make sense and as much as again we keep saying we have issues with these small little things definitely go see it definitely check it out and you've probably seen it if you're listening to our spoiler filled chat i think it's a really good first step in a series of films that'll come out it's like the pilot episode of game of thrones I had a ton of questions about what the hell that show was. What is, that, what is this place, Westeros, and all these different kingdoms? And you know, why is this guy basically casting off one of his son and abandoning him? And you know he's giving wolves to his other kids and, and, and all this stuff. I didn't understand Game of Thrones at all until like the fourth episode when I could get into it. And that's because each episode really built off the last one and really paved and pushed the story and fleshed it out. And I think you're going to see a lot of that with this one. Or they're going to take the Jedi route and basically say, oh, well, this is because this has happened. The way in which, you know, Obi-Wan says, you know, I only lied to you from a certain point of view. We're going to get a lot of that, I think, possibly.
0: Fair enough. And uh, I hope to get more interviews with uh, some great staff members for GameSource and YourGameSource.com later this week. Uh, I also want to get their thoughts as far as Game of the Year is concerned as well. Uh, which we reviewed many games this year, and and a lot of them are contenders for the Game of the Year. Um, But first off, being the man who has directed Nintendo Quest, who showed it to several theaters across the country, uh, and actually in Canada and the UK as well this year, I wanted to get your thoughts on the best Wii U 3DS games of this year, as we'll be posting uh, soon. That that hopefully everybody out there will get a chance to vote on soon, and we'll be uh, mentioned more on our Game Source Facebook page how to do just that. But uh, it seems to come down to when you're talking about the 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 few uh, titles that are really up for grabs as far as the best Wii U 3DS game, uh, seems to come down to uh, well uh, Super Mario Maker, which you absolutely loved, uh, Splatoon, uh, also as well, uh, Legend of Zelda Tri- uh, Triforce. Uh, And then also, well, even though our reviewers were still working on it quite handily, uh, it did get released earlier this year in Japan, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Your thoughts as far as it's concerned on the Wii U 3DS Game of the Year?
3: Well, not having too much exposure to the 3DS library, it's really hard for me to talk about that stuff. But as far as the Wii U titles, because they're so few and far between compared to their other counterparts at Microsoft and Sony, almost every title they released was great. I think the only disappointing title to the majority of people on the Wii U this year was maybe Kirby's Rainbow Curse. Yeah. You know, I think uh, everybody continued to see huge growth in Smash for all the different add-ons that they had with that. I think Mario Kart had a bunch of DLC that continued to delight people. Uh, Yoshi's Wooly World got huge, huge props and reviews for an amazing, innovative platformer. It's still on my shelf, unfortunately, so I got to get to that. But for me, it's all about Splatoon and Mario Maker, and I love them equally, but both in different ways. Um, Splatoon is just really fun. It's a nice family-friendly take on you know the <laughs> the deathmatch kind of sensibilities that we all loved, and it takes it in a fun direction that isn't so dark and so grim, and it's innovative and it's harmless, and it's still encouraging to play, no matter how much you're getting splatted and pa- painted. <clears throat> you never feel like you're getting destroyed or, or super camped out like you are in some of the other modern day shooters. And Mario Maker is just a, a creative blessing for for people that want to explore what what they feel and, and their love for that series. You, you really can't go wrong. Um, Xenoblades is is on my radar. Um, I just don't have the time for that. I'm trying to get through all the tales stuff that has been released on PS4 and PS3 still, and they just the, the tails announced another game in their series I think today or 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 like on Friday, so I got to get up to it gerald I, got, I don't have enough time these days.
0: I know, I know, with all the projects you're doing and, and the fact that you also, uh, and I appreciate you reviewing uh, Crusader of the Lost Idols, which yeah. uh, is available on our reviews page at yourgamesource.com. We truly That's appreciate a, you doing that.
3: Free-to-play game, too, yeah. Yes,
0: but if you had
3: to choose
0: one, had to choose one as far as the best Wii U game you played this year, 3DS Wii U game, that type deal, Nintendo platform game, what what would you choose?
3: It's got to be Mario Maker. It's just overall so well-rounded between what you can do on your own and how you can interact with the community that it's just undeniable. Splatoon's fun, but there isn't enough to do on your own. You really require to play with other people to progress and, and constantly enjoy. And then even the depth of the gameplay... Could be criticized after a while. I know they keep unrolling new weapons and they keep, you know, new fashion and, and outfits and different quirks and maps for Splatoon, but Mario Maker seems to be this infinite well of joy, both on the design side and on the play side. It's it, it's really remarkable and it and it's a constant constant source of discussion for me and a few people online. Uh, And it's always amazing to see what people have created in their levels and just be an observer, whether you're playing or creating, it's fun to sit back and take that third role and just watch people enjoy and create as well.
0: And uh, last but not, well, actually not last but not least, but uh, you know, overall for the game of the year for you, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of choices for people to vote on out there um, and no, no discernible order, uh, the Witcher 3, uh, Rocket League, Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, Until Dawn, Metal Gear Solid 5, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Dev- Devil Summoner 2, Record Breaker, uh, Undertale, uh, Fallout
3: 4. I'm waiting uh, for you to name a game I've played.
0: <laughs> so I haven't well-
3: played anything any of those games
0: oh my goodness oh my goodness indeed there there's some in fact i've
3: played more games on the most disappointing game of 2015 years list than i have on the ones that you're nominating for possible game of the year
0: but what's the best game that you played this year at super mario maker obviously as well and
3: honestly i can tell you the game i've put the most hours into and that would be evolve which is probably surprising for a lot of people but again, you got to put yourself in my shoes. It's a, it's a game that I can pick up and put down and play 10 minutes at a time. And it's a I love the constant hunt for the monster. I love that I can play with bots. I love that there's customization. I love the degree of challenge. I went for the season pass on it, which I never thought I'd do for a game. Um, I like the DLC. Um, I like the different modes that, that they've included. For me, I didn't... I knew there was a lot of hype getting into it and I'd love to see them take on licenses. So, you know, it's like a Ghostbusters kind of skin over everything or it's a Jurassic Park skin. But as the game exists, it works pretty well for me to pick up and put down and get past the faults. There's a nice degree of challenge uh, with, with an in and out gameplay that really suits my lifestyle at the moment. So it's a casual modern game that, that I can get into.
0: Sort of like me with Battlefront. Uh, I, I never, you know, I, I know it's also will be on our most disappointing list because it is a disappointment to a lot of people. Uh, but for me, it is one of those, like you said, just pick it up, I play it, and then I move on. Uh, I don't take anything out of it. Uh, I just, just, you know, I want to recreate, play. I love playing Walker Assault. I just just love in that that type environment, and recreating that environment. And then I just play for a half hour, 45 minutes, boom, I'm done, move on. And it doesn't really mean that that much to me in, in depth or anything like that. And I can certainly see why a lot of people still have issues with that game entirely. Uh, but for me, it's a fun. It's a fun little jaunt every now and then. And there you go. Um, bigger games such as The Witcher 3 uh, that, I, that I delved into and, and Fallout 4, which I know a lot of our, our staff members have delved, in, delved into as well. I know those will be big topics metal gear solid 5 i know that one's also going to be a key on the list as well um just just really great games rise of the tomb raider which i know everybody has xbox one should try it's definitely a i know it did not sell as well as microsoft and square enix want you to believe it did uh but it did not uh but it it should not be forgotten as a great title this year as well so uh a lot Are of you great choices to, out there.
3: Yeah, speaking of those choices, I know uh, you said you're going to include a, a poll for the maybe the most disappointing game. Are you going to include a poll for the most anticipated game of 2016? Uh, that is actually,
0: yes, uh, already up and it's uh, available on the page. Uh, uh, is Where's available. that page? Well, uh, that's going to be uh, uh, it's on Facebook already. And if you go to the best games, best video games of 2016, which I'm going to. Uh, give you access to it. I can do that today. Uh, so you can post all the wonderful things going on there as well. The best video games of 2016. That poll has already up. Uh, the best video games of 2016 on Facebook. If you want to go ahead and uh, uh, go on there and vote, you can start voting on the most anticipated game of 2016. So that that's already available. I'm hoping to run, uh, get together with, with uh, I've been talking back and forth with our friends from Retro City Games and also as well with you, Rob, as far as concerned about uh those who who like that page um as far as it's concerned maybe possibly running a contest uh, i've offered uh you know as far as my end is you know whatever we need to do to get this done so i'm going to talk to more retro city games hopefully i'll solidify that and uh maybe hopefully as early as today i'm, I'm going to stop by there and see what those uh those two have to do uh Doug and Nicole are great people. I know they're working with you on the upcoming box art, the documentary and, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully get that uh, squared away as well. I know I, uh, I know there, there's eager anticipation over a lot of people voting uh, on the game of the year wars from both our staff and, and fan bases. So uh, definitely get this started this week. Uh, but obviously the talk was uh, star Wars and, uh, but you know, from our fan reaction out there that uh, jumped up so high when we were talking about star Wars and uh Decided to uh, uh, check us out. Still, we appreciate it. Um, any last thoughts on? on and we'll, well, actually, a prediction from you for 2016. Since we're on the most anticipated talk, um, the one gaming thing that you you want to, that you think you're going to see, as far as concerned in 2016, um, that that fans should take in.
3: Uh, the announcement of the NX not being what people expect it to be.
0: Ooh. And what do you think they expect it to be?
3: A successor to the Wii U, and I think it'll be more of a companion piece or at least another device that works in tandem with it and the 3DS. I think it'll be like... There'll be some overlap between what the NX does and the phase-out of those consoles, but I don't think those consoles are going to phase-out for... The Wii U, I don't think, will phase-out for another two years minimum. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you think? Do you think that new uh, proposed... Um,
0: controller that Nintendo patented uh, earlier this month might uh, have quite a bit to do with
3: it? It's it's hard to say. I mean, it looks gimmicky from the patent shots that I saw, the way that there's actually no buttons to press, that they are touch screen stuff. I could never get into the, the cell games where the joystick was actually just part of the screen. Again, give me something tactile. Give me something physical, not something that's sort of there. I want to have definite control over buttons and stuff, so I'm concerned about that. But I have equal concerns about PlayStation's plans for VR uh, and what they hope to do with that and how quickly that might bust or bank.
0: Because you know at PlayStation, it is it is on on both ends of the spectrum. It's either going to hit or it's
3: going to crash. Uh, yeah, there will be no middle ground. It'll either be a huge success or it'll be a painful death.
0: Exactly. Uh, indeed. Uh, So that's going to do it for us for today. Uh, Stay tuned later this week. I will have hopefully Jay uh, Glenn from GamerCast. Uh, I'm hoping also as well to get Josh, Sam, and some other great people on the podcast to share their thoughts on Star Wars and also the game of the year as well. So for Rob McCallum, uh, one more last time while we have some viewers left one last time on, on how they can actually get a hold of the best documentary this year and one of the highest rated films. And we're not I'm not just saying that to be saying that. I'm just saying it's because it's true. It's backed up when writing uh, of the one of the highest rated films of this year, Nintendo Quest.
3: Easiest place is NintendoQuest.com. I think it's even on my lower third there. Fair enough. Yes,
0: yes, it is. There indeed. you
3: go, NintendoQuest.com. Everything you need to know, the Power Tour web series, the film and whatever format and whatever site you like, you can get to it there.
0: Fair enough, fair enough indeed. Uh, so for Rob McCallum, director of the Nintendo Quest, this is Gerald, better known as Yes Elvis Lives. Check us out yourgamesource.com, at Gamesource on Twitter, Gamesource on Facebook, and we really appreciate you watching, you you just enjoying part of the podcast and listening to all the wonderful Star Wars spoilers. It is Gamesource podcast number 138, continued. Uh, this is Gerald, better known as Yes Elvis Lives, and I'm here today with Two more awesome members of the Gamer Cast, and also a member and host of a, uh, a Galaxy Far, Far Away. Um, I've got first off Glenn Stanway here, one of the producers of Box Art, the documentary. And am I missing anything, Glenn?
1: Uh, I don't think you are. I am also an associate producer of Nintendo Quest, producer of the Nintendo Quest Gamer Cast with Jay and Rob, and uh, generally all-around handsome fella who does podcast related assorted things Fair. thanks for having me Joe. oh good to be here you.
0: great to be on for have you on the show and of course we have the man who doesn't want to be called the star um the main protagonist uh, as i like to put it sometimes of nintendo quest one of the highest rated films of the year um that's no as i said on the previous time we talked about this that's no bs that's no bull it is just ba- basically if you want to go to nintendoquest.com and read the library full of great reviews that uh, rob mccallum has posted um it is nintendo quest um it is available on vimeo with extra bonus features it is also available on itunes and amazon.com it is jay bartlett who also hosts uh, a galaxy far far away podcast and is also one of the great hosts of GamerCast.
2: Hello, my friends. How are things in Las Vegas?
0: Um, mild, sixty degrees right there. Nothing too cold. Nothing too warm. No snow. No rain. No nothing. So uh, that's be good. A... I
1: was really warm. I was humidity. telling I was telling Gerald off air that we have pretty much as much snow as he does right now. It's uh, very very mild in this part of Canada this year, unseasonably so. I'm good
0: with that. <laughs> we need a little bit. I, we need the rain here more than anything, you know, because it's so dry here in the desert. But uh, well,
1: we, we got need... plenty of that.
0: There you go. There you go. Um, uh, indeed. But we are here today to not just talk about the weather in various parts of Canada and in the uh, great West Coast here of the United States, but we're here to talk about Star Wars, The Force Awakens. It is breaking virtually every box office record. It is also breaking, actually, when it, when you're coming down to breaking the Monday record and the Tuesday record, and then you probably hear the Wednesday record, and, you know, it gets down to, it's, it's a very successful film. Hasn't even reached China uh, as of yet, because I won't debut, I believe, until uh, early next month, but is already... Going like gangbusters, it is already knocking on the door of, what, 700 million, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, getting close to it, indeed. Um, it is a, a you know film that has just surpassed uh, uh, a lot of people's expectations. Uh, we reviewed it on our site, yourgamesource.com, uh, on the In Case You Missed a page. So if you get a chance to watch that, check it out. Uh, but we are here today to talk some Star Wars The Force Awakens. And I know, Jay, you host your own Star Wars-related podcast, one of the – well, actually, the best Star Wars podcast on the air. And, and well, speaking of that, uh, your thoughts – Good and, save, you. There you go. <laughs> your thoughts initially uh, as you sat down – because you, probably more than any other human being I know on the planet, because outside of the great collection that you have in Nintendo Quest that was outlined – If people got a chance to see it, you're kind of maybe a small Star Wars fans as well. And you knew this indie film was coming out. uh, The small indie low budget film was coming out pretty soon on December 18th. But great anticipation. So what were your thoughts going in?
2: Um, Ever since I saw the very first of the three major trailers, um, I felt secure. I felt safe with it. Um, you know, all the big Star Wars fans had the same kind of reaction, where it's like, uh-oh, Mr. Star Trek has his hands on my baby, what's going to happen to it? <clears throat> but as soon as that, that very first shot with Finn popping up, I mean, I knew we were going to be okay. Um, I mean, now, when I talk to people, you know, at work, or I talk to people on the street or at home or whatnot, it's not, have you seen it, it's how many times have you seen it? Yeah. And and when are you going again kind of thing so i mean that's something that's very rare uh, i mean i know a lot of people sell like the avengers and stuff like that multiple times but this is almost like you're guaranteed to at least go two or three times even casual star wars fans
0: are, are going two or three times glenn what were your thoughts as you were heading into it because i know like i said you've on podcasts with jay you've talked a little bit here and there about the the star wars lore with him i've seen also uh Uh, On the Power Tour, which is now in Episode 3, which is available, uh, if you want to check that out as well, um, three great episodes that are actually available for for the behind-scenes of Power Tour. I know you've talked personally to Jay about the Star Wars lore and, and your anticipation for that, so tell me your thoughts going in.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely a Star Wars fan. I am certainly not the Star Wars fan that Jay is. Uh, I, I don't think that's any mystery. I, I don't know that anybody is the Star Wars fan that Jay is. So for me, I was definitely excited to see the film. But I think more important to to me than that was I knew this is going to be my first chance, and it was a very unique opportunity to get a chance to see a Star Wars film in a theater for the first time with Jay in in the same you know theater. Uh, and that was something I was really, really excited for, just because I know how much it meant to Jay, and I was, I was really looking forward to getting a chance to to being able to sit, you know, in pretty close proximity to him and kind of see his reactions and get a chance to talk to him when it's all still really, really fresh. I didn't really know what to expect from the film because I know J.J. Uh, Abrams obviously has a very different visual language than George Lucas does, and that's something that Robin, Jay, and I have talked about on the podcast before. So I wasn't sure how much it was going to look like the Star Wars films we recognized. Uh, they haven't been openly promoting it as Episode Seven. It's just Star Wars The Force Awakens. So there was a question in my mind as to whether or not there was even going to be an opening crawl. Like, how different were they going to make this film? How many wrenches were they going to kind of throw in the works that, that might be a little off-putting to to old fans? But uh, I was along for the ride right away. I mean, it, it felt, after that opening sequence on, on Jakku, it felt every bit a Star Wars film. Um, it was like slipping into a nice, you know, really well-broken pair of boots or something. It was uh, It was comfortable, and it felt like Star Wars. And uh, I was along for the ride, and I, I lost track of how many times I found myself grinning like an idiot at something that was going on on screen without even really noticing that I was doing it. so, uh, so I was a happy camper, to say the least.
0: Um, I, I want to touch on real quick. Uh, as far as what Jay had talked about as far as the animosity some had as far as JJ being a Star Trek guy going into Star Wars, uh, I will say for me and I, I mentioned this with with Rob that Star Trek, the movie the reboot uh, was probably one of the best films uh, of this modern era of the past fifteen years to me, and especially the way it started off is just truly incredible uh, incredible filmmaking in my opinion. so I, I was not as apprehensive on it. I knew I knew JJ would be able to put out a great product. Uh, and I believe he has. He's put out a very strong product. Uh, you know, I know we talked. Rob and I talked about a lot of things that we'd like to, you know, to have seen differently, or maybe some questions arise about. But those are just a little, you know, little things aside. Um, overall, to me, I've seen it twice now. It's it's just a lot of fun, and and you go there and you enjoy, it, and that's what the essence of movie making and movie watching should be about. It's bringing people back to the theaters, uh, which is something that can't be haven't been hasn't been said for a little while now, and. Uh, Jay, um, you know the, the things that you get most from the film as far as it's concerned what are your your, your what, what when you were watching it you, you know obviously you enjoyed it so much and you, you've said such great things about the film as a whole. What were you taking away so much about it as far as it's concerned and hope your hopes for the future?
2: Well I hope it brings people back to Star Wars. I know there's a lot of people that kind of gave up on it. I was not one of them. I kind of, you know, I stuck through it. I don't call it the good and the bad. I call it the the good, you know, the good and the the tough times, because not all Star Wars has been good. Um, I took out of it. I mean, it was such a different vision from what the expanded universe had been laid out for me uh, since the early '90s. Um, in the early '90s, are we allowed to talk about spoilers or no? Mm-hmm. It's up to you
0: oh absolutely I've got it plastered and I want to make sure everybody knows again even though it says there at the top of the screen on our twitch channel and also uh, will be posted on YouTube that um, and also if you're listening on audio mp3 it is spoilers we are gonna talk massive spoilers here so if you have not seen the film or if you don't want to know what's going on in the theaters uh, in the movie as of yet might want to be maybe turn down the volume a little bit until we talk later and show about game of the year stuff. But yes, we are talking massive spoilers here. So I was going to get into that in a little bit, but yes, Jay, go right ahead on, on your thoughts. And cause I know you had talked about previously, uh, your thoughts on the film and, and you know, as far as it's concerned. So I know, uh, you had a lot of great hopes in, in watching it and your anticipation. And it was just at a, at such a high level.
2: The- Right, right away, and I, I can't speak enough about the intro scene, the, the village on Jakku is maybe one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. Of course, uh, the great Max von Sydow um, is isn't in, is in that scene for you know a very brief period of time. He plays Lor Santika, um, who is a disciple of the Church of the Force. He's not a Force-sensitive user, but he worships the ideals of the Jedi. He has a part of the map. To give to leia that leads to luke skywalker so right away i'm on board that was part of the script that i read about a year and a half ago where it was this hunt for luke everyone was trying to find luke and i thought that that was one of the most brilliant ideas that luke has become almost like this myth he's become this legend i mean no one's seen him for a long time does he exist still did he ever exist kind of thing um, and like I was saying, in the expanded universe, Luke goes on to create the new Jedi Order. Han becomes a great general. Him and Leia are married. They have three kids who are Force-sensitive. The way Lawrence and J.J. wrote it is very different, and, and I like it so much better. Um, Luke has failed in his attempt to create the Jedi Order. It's fallen to uh, one of his young apprentices, uh, Ben Solo. Um. Han and Leia have a kid, but they they are no longer together because again the same character has fallen to the dark side. Han blames himself, Leia blames her. They separate. So everything that we've come to know from the expanded universe is is kind of thrown out the window. And I don't think they did that intentionally. I think that's just the way that they wanted to tell the story, and I think it feels so right, especially at the end of the film when you see Luke. Luke is Luke's worn, he's battle-worn. You can tell he's been through hell and back and, and he's afraid. And I don't think they could have done a better job to be honest with the main story.
0: Glenn, uh, your thoughts as far as the dynamic between the solos and and seeing as far as, you know, their despair as far as, <laughs> and depression in, in seeing their son, uh, I guess, now embody the spirit that is the dark side.
1: <laughs> wow. That is a big question. I uh, I I do like that with Han and Leia. We kind of got, you know, we got to have our cake and eat it too. They they did get together. So I mean, I think anybody who anticipated that after the end of Return of the Jedi got a little bit of pay off that we see that at some point at least they had a family and they were happy. Um. So so it's not complete misery and darkness, but uh, I do think. It gives us something that's a little bit meatier from, from a dramatic perspective to to chew on, to have uh, to have their son kind of be the impetus of of all this kind of terrible stuff that's happening, and has happened. Um, I'm kind of curious about the timelines. Uh, I feel like I feel like Kylo Ren isn't old enough for him to have turned to the dark side very long ago. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how this unfolds in the in the in the the sequels that follow. Uh, I'm really curious to see what the events were that sort of drove him in that direction. Like we, we know that it's very likely that uh, Snoke manipulated him in some fashion, but I, I find it hard to believe there wasn't some sort of event or something that happened that sort of kicked that off or, or helped push him in that direction. And, uh, and I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about that. I'm also curious if that's, the sole reason that Luke decided to go into exile, I I feel like there's probably more to it than that. And I, I'm kind of curious to get a sense of what Luke's character and what Luke's mindset is at this point in his life. And after having, uh, as Jay said, you know, tried to, you know, follow this dream of rebuilding the Jedi Order and ultimately having failed at that um, after having such, you know, great success in, in sort of bringing... You know, resurrecting the Jedi and and uh, kind of bringing his father back from the edge of of, of dark place as well. So, um, no, I think it's a great dynamic, and I think it's really interesting to watch. And I think it makes those scenes between Han and Leia really hold a lot more weight than they might have otherwise done. Uh, I found myself getting really emotional at the first scene that Leia uh, enters in and kind of talks to Han again for the first time, and she sort of just soundlessly walks over and gives her a hug, and I, I find that like. Dialogue would have ruined that, but there's a lot of stuff that's happening without words there that uh, that I found really moving, and a lot of it's that subtext of of all those things that you've learned as an audience member while you're watching the film already.
0: Ah, no, absolutely, excellent points, indeed. And uh, do you think, as far as it's concerned, it, it seems like a natural that's where they're going to go from there, as far as with Luke Skywalker's uh, character in Episode Eight is him dis- you know you discovering more about what happened. Uh, a little bit of the backstory more as far as the, the downfall of the Jedi order that he was trying to build and, and more on his thoughts on his conflict between you know what he should be doing and, and, and what he is doing at the moment. Do you see more of that in episode eight?
2: I, I think so. I mean, he's, he's obviously failed into trying to build the new Jedi order, so he's gone to find the first Jedi temple to get some sort of spiritual realization. Who knows? Um, But he's gone there for a reason. Um, And I do love at the end of the film how, you know, Ray is the the quote-unquote hero, the the Force user and such. But at the end of the film, she is giving his saber back to him. Like, we need you, Luke. Like, you have to. You have to come with us. Like, the whole time it's been built up where, you know, even J.J. said this is, you know, a passing of the torch kind of film. And that was kind of misleading because I don't believe it is. I believe Han was killed for a reason. And I believe that Luke isn't going to be taken out like that. I think Luke is here to stay. And Luke is still going to be the main hero. I really do think that.
0: Do you think uh, that Han Solo's, uh, you know, willingness to participate in the film was based solely off the fact that that character gets killed off? Uh, Glenn, your thoughts? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I know Jay's Rob, gonna.
0: <laughs> I know Rob and I have discussed that at length. That because you know, Jay, years... and uh, Jay and I did
1: too. Jay and I did too. I we were talking the other night after recording a GamerCast episode, and I said to him that the, uh, Han being killed off in the film wasn't a surprise to me at all. Like, I basically felt as soon as Harrison Ford agreed to do the film that it was a foregone conclusion that that Han was a goner. Uh, and and Jay kind of disputes that. And I know if you read some interviews with J.J. Uh, Abrams and. And uh, Lawrence Kasdan, they they'll dispute that as well. I think they feel like that's a decision they came to as they were writing the script, and I won't I won't dispute that. But uh, I, I don't think um, I don't think Harrison Ford's disdain for for Star Wars is something that has gone unnoticed. I actually find it really refreshing that he was as uh, as much of a team player as he was when it came to promoting the film. He seemed really really on board. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think. It- it's very important to establish who Kylo Ren is and the conflicts that Kylo Ren is going through. And ultimately, I think the development of that character is worth the sacrifice that had to be made. And what I've been saying to people who are upset about it, I, I've I've had some friends who are really bummed out by it. I know Jace had people posting comments on his Kylo Ren cosplay pictures, you know, harassing him because... Because he killed Han, and my response to that is like, do you really want to see one of the best characters in cinema die in his sleep in an old man's home? And the answer is no. You want to see him go down guns blazing, and and I feel like that sacrifice is a is a fitting, a fitting end to a character who really deserved it.
0: But in the end, that's his that's his gimmick. That's what brought him to the table more than even his blaster ability or his flying ability or whatnot. It was his way he could always. At least in his mind, talk himself out of scenarios uh, because he's, you know, has his character has that silver tongue, and and be able to to get him out of those situations. And he thought he could do it one more time here. You know, obviously in the movie, uh, he could do it one more time here. In that sense, Jay, you're shaking your head, no. no I
2: don't agree with that at all, actually, no.
0: No, I finish your point. That's cool. No, I because mean, that's that's what he, uh, you know, his character had even said. You know, I'll talk my way out of it because he thinks. You know, he, Han Solo uh, to me I always thought that was his best weapon was the way yeah. he could, he could I, talk people I, out of situations.
1: I'm just going to interject for one second, and all I'm going to say is, I'm, I want I want to hear what Jay has to say too. I don't think you're completely off base, Gerald, but I think it really speaks more to the man that Han became through the course of the original trilogy as opposed to the scoundrel we met in New Hope. Uh, it is it is his son, and there's a genuine desire to to kind of heal some wounds, I think, in in that, uh, in that action that he takes. But he did I'll let Jay for, chime in on that. Um, he did
2: it for Leia, 100%. You can see it in his face when they're at the Resistance base there. And he keeps saying, you know, our son is gone. And she's like, no, no, there's light in him. You have to go. And he's just kind of like, ah. Oh. I have to do this kind well, she, of thing.
0: She did put that faith in, in him to do it because he was reluctant to do it. And I will agree with you that it was her insistence to try and reach out to, to uh, Kylo Ren uh, was the impetus of that. But I, I also believe that, that Han Solo's confidence in, in the way he can you know communicate with people as far as it's concerned. Uh, you know, obviously, he feels... He, he's always felt, I guess, according, you know, watching the movie, there was that scene early on as far as uh, whether in the freighter where he, you know, he felt that he could talk his way out of the situation. And I know that going in he went with his son that he could probably try and reach him uh, as far as it's concerned once he got that impetus from, from Princess Leia or Gov- General Leia, excuse me. Yeah, I guess I
2: just I don't think it was... Uh... I know you're not implying it was like a scoundrel kind of thing. Like, no, to- but
0: that's his best ability. That to me, his his best yeah. ability is as, as far as over the course of all the pictures, you know, all the Star Wars films you know, that's, that's the best trait that he has. Yes. He's a scoundrel. Yes. He's great at, uh, you know, all the things he did as far as with, you know, with his use of blasters, with, with the way he could fly the Millennium Falcon, uh, and all the prior tricks he knew, but the best way he could always get himself out of situations was by trying to talk himself out of it.
2: Yeah. It it was nice to see that. It was nice to see that again from Han because, um, I really lost interest in him by Return of the Jedi. I think Han lost all his character. Um, so it's nice to see him kind of come back to a new hope Han, where he is a scoundrel and he, you know, he owes conjure club money and he owes this guy money and uh, you know he's caught in the middle of it and uh, he lost the Falcon again and he's just you know he's a mess, right? He, <laughs> he everybody in the galaxy. It's really nice to see that character come back.
0: Because you, th- um, you thought after all these years he would be well off and you would be doing very well for himself with, with Leia and whatnot. It was
2: always written. And, and again, I'll say there was always something about the expanded universe that I was never fully invested in because it wasn't officially written by George um, or you know whoever was in charge of Lucasfilm. So there was always a chance, like the origin of Boba Fett, that if George wanted to come forth with his own story, that that would have been wiped out. And Boba Fett was wiped out. Well, so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I really did like how Han came to be his old self again. Um, and I think everyone knew when he walked on that catwalk. And I think even Han knows that it, that it's do or die pretty much. You can just kind of tell.
0: Fair enough. Now, Glenn, uh, as far as uh, your thoughts on Ray, uh, who I uh, said previously with Rob, uh, is a tremendously uh, well-developed character. Uh, she, uh, Daisy Ridley uh, uh, just, just did a tremendous job. And, and virtually the entire cast did, that was allowed to be able to uh, expand themselves on the screen uh, really did it just, you know, just a tremendous job as far as it's concerned on screen. So, so all the performances were really, really solid that, that, that were able to expand on their characters. Uh, but your thoughts specifically on Ray, who, uh, as far as it's concerned, looks like she's, as you said, carrying the, you know taking the torch and going forward as far as it's concerned?
1: Um, I think the biggest compliment that I can give the movie in a lot of ways is that I care as much about the new characters as I cared about the returning ones. Uh, I thought they did a really, really great job of establishing those characters and make them really interesting and really entertaining. Uh, I think Ray's fantastic. I I adore Ray. I think she's a great character. Um, I'm really interested to see. I, I think obviously the the really, really big lingering question after uh, Force Awakens is is who is Ray? What is Ray's backstory? Where did she come from? Um, what is her parentage that she comes by these Force powers that she she has adapted to? So so quickly, or at least is finding some degree of control over so quickly. And, and I'm really interested to see the answers to that stuff. Uh, I think there's a generation of girls who are going to grow up watching this movie and idolizing Ray. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, I, I, I'm just blown away to see such an awesome, strong female presence in a, in a film leading this ensemble cast. And I know Disney's taken a lot of flack from, uh, from certain parties over the last year because they've done such a poor job of marketing their female characters in other franchises. You know, there's no black widow merchandise out there for Avengers. Um, star Wars rebels merchandise focuses largely on the male characters. And I, and all I can say is they, they better get their act together with Ray because I, I have a feeling that's going to really be a paradigm shift for them in that regard.
0: Uh, Jay, your thoughts as far as it's concern on Ray, um, you know, she's as, as Glenn said, just a strong female character, just just awesome. I have $2 myself, so they, they really appreciated uh, her efforts in the film. But your thoughts, maybe uh, on her, but also as well, John Boyega, as far as the future for Finn is concerned as well.
2: Every single actor in this film, I thought, did such an incredible job, and they had such personality and character to them. I, I mean, I didn't even mind the humor. Like, John Boyega had a lot of humor to his character, and I thought it was...
0: What the hell? Are you eating? <laughs> <laughs> hungry? He's hungry. As we're doing this,
2: talk. just got home
1: from work. Got to fuel the tank. I there
0: thought it is.
2: was. Uh, I thought they both did fantastic jobs. I think I JJ and uh, Lawrence did a great job of kind of misguiding the audience, where you think Finn is going to be the, the Jedi. Finn is going to be the Force user. When in fact he has no Force powers whatsoever, um, and it turns out that Ray is. In tune with the Force, and turns out to be the one who topples Kylo Ren. So. But he's
0: able to use the lightsaber, which I thought you know many had believed that was be only a Force power.
2: That was cool. Yeah, I mean, he definitely was not good at it. I mean, he was using it like a sword, right? But he had no guidance with the Force or anything. So I love that scene with the uh, the shock stormtrooper there. That little fight they have
0: mm-hmm. that's really
2: cool. It's, it's cool to see that. And when he goes against Kylo at the end, I mean, Kylo just wipes the floor with him, right? Obviously. But, uh, yeah, it was a cool little twist to to have Ray
0: be the one to come out on top. Um, Was it a surprise to you at all that that Daisy Ridley's character was so – developed her force powers? You know, obviously she hasn't fully, you know, expanded upon them. but as far as the the fact that by the end of the movie she had gone from from not knowing she even had force powers to, you know, being able to compete with Kylo Ren and actually come out victorious – uh, at least for the short term, as far as in a battle with with him, Glenn.
2: I I can't explain why. Oh, sorry, Glenn. That was yours.
1: <laughs> it's all right, man. Uh, I I was just going to say, um, and I'm sure Jay has some thoughts on this too. Obviously, so uh, so I'll let him chime in too. But um, I think uh, I think as Yoda taught us in the original trilogy you know, it's do or do not, there is no try. I think it, when you're aware of the Force and if you're truly connected to it, it's not a matter of training. I think there is some degree of being able to to use it innately. Um, and I think she maybe didn't have the baggage to get past that maybe, say, Luke did in Empire when he was training uh, and, and learning how to use his Jedi powers to the fullest. Um, aside from that, I, I love the fact that anybody... I love the notion that somebody can just pick up a lightsaber and use it. I've never understood the notion that only a Jedi could. Um, I don't think you can use it well, just I as know. you wouldn't be able to use any other tool well if you weren't trained yeah, how to use it. This is true. Um, but but I, I don't think there's anything saying that somebody shouldn't be able to pick up and use it. Um, as far as the fight with Kylo Ren goes, I, I think that's more of a comment on Kylo Ren's character than it is on Rey. Uh we see throughout the movie that he's brash, he's emotional, um, he loses his temper really easily. He's obviously still very, very young. Uh, as I said, I don't get the impression that he's been a disciple of the dark side for a tremendously long time, so I think he's still learning a lot about himself as well. I think that's what's really, really interesting. We're not, we're not, we're not seeing Luke taking on Darth Vader, who's been in control of his powers for, for decades. You know, we're, we're seeing two young people who are really still learning to use their powers uh, fighting each other.
0: And even Snoke um, said himself, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke said, you know, he, bring him back to me to me for, for to complete his training, so to speak, because uh, you obviously see he still had a, a ways to go in his own training.
1: I think in a lot of ways, watching Kylo Ren is kind of like watching Darth Vader with training wheels almost. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean that to be derogatory, but it's it's I I have to feel like this is almost like these are these are the steps. These are the baby steps. These are the. The growing pains that Darth Vader almost certainly went through um, as he was adapting to his power in the dark side and the Emperor's tutelage that we never got to see. Only we get to see it now with a different character who's going through a lot of what I think would must be some of the similar things. And I really love that notion of him fighting... You know, as opposed to kind of fighting against being turned to the dark side, he's almost fighting to keep the light out. I know Jay and I were talking about that the other night, and I think that's a really, really cool idea. But uh, I'm sure Jay has some thoughts on that subject as well, so I'll turn it over to him.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, Jay, uh, it's one of the things I wanted to add in there before I let you go ahead and speak on Kylo Ren, because I know you have such a, a an affinity for the Kylo Ren characters. I think one of his greatest traits that, that he showed in the movie was his, like, like Glenn said, the conflict that he still even has uh, – uh, or at least had until he he uh, caused the demise of, of Han Solo, was that, that he was having this conflict uh, between the light and dark side. Uh, and I think that, to me, just really just grew the character even more. And, uh, but your thoughts on Kylo Ren as far as his development and where you see it going forward for him?
2: Um, I think he's about to get into a world of hurt with Snoke. I think Snoke is going to really damage him as far as just making him even more evil. Um, I have no doubt that killing his father was, you know, that's kind of the final nail in the coffin. Like if there's any kind of light left in,
0: in Ben, that was it. There's a no turning back now at this point.
2: Say for maybe killing his mother. I mean, if Leia's got to go too, uh, because it seems to be his parents keep drawing him back and he, he's feeling their love and, um, there's a beautiful moment at the end of the film when um, they're in the snow and it's uh, Finn and Ray and him, and he's like, it's just you and I now, and he's he's terrified looking, like he's scared. Um, and it's almost like you can see the compassion, and then he starts to slam on his
0: wound. Because, yeah, the, the one that Chewbacca shot at him, yes.
2: Yeah, he starts to slam on it and blood starts to spray out, so he's getting the anger and the pain going because the light, I I see the light when he's talking to them, that he feels the compassion. He's trying to shut that out. So it's a real, it's really cool. It's something that we've never seen before in a Star Wars movie where the light is corrupting. And again, there's that whole point of view thing, right? That Obi-Wan always talks about. Um, I believe that Kylo Ren sees what Luke did to his grandfather is corruption. Uh, The empire was order in the galaxy Everything ran smoothly. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of systems that didn't approve of it, but it still ran like clockwork. And then Luke comes in and messes up everything, corrupts his father to the light side. That's that's really cool. That's something, honestly, that i got to say, I've never really thought about too much, that the light could be seen as a corruption as well. Um, Yeah, I loved his character from the beginning, but definitely, I mean, I, I, I like Adam Driver. I think he's great. And uh, seeing him without the mask and his emotions, like Glenn said, he's very young. He's very full of passion. He's very arrogant and cocky, um, and his lightsaber skills aren't that great. So it's it's really cool to see him. Yeah, he's by far, besides Luke, he's by far my favorite character in Star Wars.
0: Well, he might be he might be the most interesting character, and he's the character to me, at least the the one that you can just go in such so many different directions going forward for the next two movies. I think he holds the most promise and the key for obviously the success of the movies, even more so than Ray or Finn or whatnot, because just like you said, because he, without, there would be no great heroes unless you have a, an even greater or just as great uh, villain in this case. And I, and I believe yeah. it's up to him with to, to carry those movies uh, you know, the following eight and nine uh, if he's allowed to live in nine uh, to, to, you know, for, for those movies to be great going forward.
2: I mean, every, yeah, everything about the character is, it's just so interesting down to his lightsaber, which originally everyone thought were cross guards to stop from, you know, your hands getting cut off, which it's not the case. They're vents um, because his crystal is cracked. And this is only really something a true Star Wars nerd would know. So his crystal is cracked. It doesn't form a straight beam of light. It's like a fiery beam with static. And that's what I believe because it's just a shoddy job. He's not a full-fledged Jedi or, or two with his Force powers. So his lightsaber is really crappy. It's an ancient design. It's an, an Old Republic design, also leading me to believe that Snoke is very old and ancient possibly even older than palpatine was
0: yeah oh no I, absolutely and uh, uh, glenn um just just some final takeaways that that you have and i'll get back to jay as far as his as well but just some final takeaways because we're here on game source podcast number 138 i'm here with uh, jay bartlett and glenn Stanway, both of the GamerCast, uh and also as well uh podcast a galaxy far far away um but glenn some final thoughts is that you want to take away that you're taking away from, uh, from star Wars, the force awakens and and what your hopes are for the future on that.
1: Um, I'm just thinking about Kylo's lightsaber based on what Jay was talking about. And, and, and yeah, he's, he's not great with it. And I love how it reflects his personality and it's, it's, it is big and it's heavy and it's kind of clumsy and he's not especially delicate with it. It's like he uses it like a club almost. Uh, And I I think that's really interesting because I think that's such a great reflection of the character, but uh, I I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing these characters again. Um, All of them, (laughs) the new ones, the old ones. Um, It it was great to be reminded of why I have such affection for all of these characters, but it was also great to be introduced to new ones that I care about equally as much. And I'm really, really interested to see where things go. I, I think if I have, Two criticisms about the movie that really stand out for me. One is I do think that Finn gets a bit shortchanged in terms of the moral decision that he makes. I think his decision to to sort of turn away from the First Order is a little bit shortchanged. I think that's a very significant thing, and I, I hope that we get a chance to explore that a little bit more fully I would love in, to uh, see, in I, the next couple of films.
0: I would love to see kind of like um, a Return of the Kings, the way the Return of the Kings started off with a backstory Um, as far as it's concerned. I'd love to see the episode eight start off with a little bit, maybe just five, ten minutes of backstory of how he came to be in the first order, something like that, but that might, you know, tell, tell a bit more, but
1: for sure, for sure. No, I I would. I I think it's a huge, it's a huge thing that he did. And I think, I think the movie doesn't really get a chance or, or for whatever reason, doesn't choose to kind of pay as much attention to that as I think it deserves. So, Uh, So I'm curious to explore that a little bit more. The other one would be, uh, if there is something that everybody's saying about it, whether they mean it as a positive or a negative, this film adheres really, really closely to what's sort of been the established Star Wars, I don't know, formula, if you want to call it that. It feels a lot like one of the original Star Wars films, and it plays out a lot like New, New Hope. A lot of the story beats are almost beat for beat, just like New Hope. Um, I know that that's probably a conscious decision because they realize what a burden they had in terms of introducing this film to an audience of people, not only who is a new generation of Star Wars fans, but people like Jay and myself who grew up watching Star Wars. But I really, really hope that now that they've done that and they've helped establish this universe a little bit more, we can see some of these new filmmakers really get a chance to kind of put their own stamp on Star Wars and, and make it their own to do something that's maybe a little bit more a little bit more risky or a little bit more interesting as opposed to being something that's designed to sort of be fan service or just kind of please crowds. Uh, I, I don't think it's a bad thing in this case at all, but I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if things get a little bit more daring as, as the series kind of moves on from here.
0: And I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that because uh, a lot uh, of criticisms have been thrown away, uh, thrown that way based off of the been there seen that uh, scenario. A lot of times that the, the plot, sometimes it adheres itself to of star wars or force awakens um you know and and it's it's still a great film still a lot of fun moves very fast sometimes a little bit too fast to develop some of the uh smaller characters who i hope will be able to see more developed in future episodes um but as far as the whole i think it was just a lot of fun and i like I, like you said glenn uh, I, I, as long as eight and nine are, are able to go ahead and take more chances and be, you know, get a go, branch off into a different, slightly different direction that that the previous films have done, and uh, people will, will, I think, will stay more interested in, into that as a whole. And and obviously with the uh, Star Wars movies that are coming out on a on a year basis, the other ones such as you know, uh, Rogue One and, and the Han Solo biopic and and whatnot, or you know, those films can also help a lot those stories flesh out those backstories as well jay some final thoughts uh on actually the star wars of force awakens as you now have taken in now almost a week now of of full uh full star wars force awakens glory
2: yeah i just i just want to say you know thanks to jj for making a wonderful film um but more importantly i'd like to thank uh, george lucas for passing it on because it could have stayed with him forever and there would have been no new star Wars. So just want to say thanks to George. I know he's listening to me right now. So <laughs> thanks for letting us experience new stories and, uh, letting the franchise live on past what he's going to do with it.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I just, I I have high hopes for it as well. And I think it was just, you know, in hindsight, we were all kind of worried as far as where the series would go once uh, the announcement was made that Disney had acquired Lucasfilm. Um, obviously, there's still some entanglements with 20th Century Fox to go to. I know in 2020, uh, almost all except for New Hope uh, rights go, you know, go to Disney as far as that's concerned. Um, but I'm just glad to see the series going forward and that a new generation of fans can actually take in Star Wars as their own and not say, Hey, that was my dad's or my 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 mom's or my. You know, my parents uh, or grandparents, you know, deal as far as watching the movie. They can take it in as their own as well and be part of the franchise just as much as as, uh, previous audience as well. Um, But we're also here today to talk some Game of the Year talk uh, as well. And uh, just want to let everybody know as well, if we have this great Facebook page that we just made, uh, just created, just went up uh, with all the polls on the best video games of 2015. Uh, if you head on over to Facebook and go to, uh, facebook.com slash best video games of 2015, uh, it's right there for you. Um, all the polls, your chance to shed, uh, your light on your ideas and your, your thoughts on the best video games of this year. And since we, uh, all of us like to deal with video games and, and love it video games so much, uh. Heck, you know, you guys were even part of a film that dealt with video games as one of the main subjects of the, uh, as far as it's concerned. The best uh, video game documentary to come out in a long time, Nintendo Quest. Um, and obviously one of the highest rated films of the year, as I said earlier as well, if you get a chance, check it out. But uh, best video games of this year. And, and guys, your thoughts as far as some of the games that you tried. I know we talked about Battlefront previously, and I know you wanted to delve more into Fallout 4J, but but your thoughts on some of the best this year. Um, have you had a chance to, to take in more and and think more about, you know, some of the best uh, games that you played this year?
2: Yes. Uh, I will say it's been a very, very busy year for myself, than anyway, with McCallum, um, and I think as far as games go, uh, there was a lot more of us filming about games and talking about games than there was actually playing a lot of these games. Um, but I'll give a few honorable mentions there. I really enjoyed uh, Arkham Knights. I played that
0: as long as you're not playing it on the PC.
2: No, no, <laughs> and I wish I had a copy of that now because it's really it's it's worth something. But um um arkham knight i enjoyed um one i I never got to play that i wanted was the metal gear game Uh, metal gear 5 i never got to uh the new tomb raider is absolutely fantastic if anyone hasn't played that unfortunately it got released the same day as fallout 4 which was a boo-boo on microsoft's part so no one i don't know many people that have played the new tomb raider but it's absolutely fantastic of course, followed. I don't need to say a whole lot about that. And um, uh, Battlefront, I, I've really, really been enjoying as of late. So those are some of the few.
0: Glenn, yeah, your thoughts on on you know some of the games that you played this year, and some of the games that that you know that that you think would be uh, game of the year type material.
1: Wow. I have to say, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Jay. It's it's ironic that we can spend as much time talking about video games and spending as much time promoting video games as we can and yet get so little time to play them. Um, there's so many releases I just didn't get a chance to play this year, uh, either because of time or because of money or, or for whatever reason. Um, by no means is it my game of the year, but I, I have to... I find myself forced yet again to tip my cap to the the ongoing saga of Destiny. Um, I find myself going back to that game again and again and again and again. And it, truthfully, it's probably less about the game and more about the community at this point. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there's, um, there's a really awesome community that's risen up around Destiny and it makes that game a lot of fun to play. And credit where credit's due, uh, Bungie really worked hard to make Taken King something that was going to be... A really worthwhile successor to the original game and deliver on, uh, certainly at least some of the promises that, that vanilla destiny is, as we old timers call it, uh, was supposed to have when it launched. Um, there's so many games that I'm, I'm really excited about that. I haven't had a chance to play. I have not had a chance to play super Mario maker yet. I haven't had a chance to play witcher three yet. Those are both games that would probably be at the top of my list. If I'd actually had a chance to play them (laughs) And, and by reputation, I know, uh, I know there's a lot to look forward to there but again that's that's a great example of uh more where, where time and money just didn't come together to help me play that stuff but i do have a title in mind
0: okay absolutely and uh, i can tell you firsthand the witcher 3 wild hunt was a tremendous experience uh as far as it receiving any kudos as far as it's concerned is it's definitely warranted and rob can tell you for sure because rob uh, did a tremendous, tremendous review for us on yourgamesource.com on Super Mario Maker. Uh, also Jeremiah as well, uh, both gave it extremely high scores, and it is part of our Game of the Year uh, poll that you can be a part of and you can voice your opinion uh, on the like I said, Facebook best games of twenty, best video game of 20, 2015 if You want to check it out is again the facebook.com best video games of twenty fifteen. Uh, you have all the polls right there in the various categories uh from best game of the year to to best xbox one best playstation 4 um uh, best pc games so you know there's there's just you know so many things you can vote on and uh we're trying to get together everything is is formulating on hopefully doing a contest so if you like our page like that page uh again it's facebook.com best video games of 2015 You like that page. Uh, We are trying to get together a contest so people, we can uh, do a giveaway of some great stuff with our friends at uh, obviously GamerCast, uh, Galaxy Far, Far Away, but also the folks from Nintendo Quest, which you guys are a part of, of course, and the great people, Nicole and Doug at Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada. I want to give them a great shout out because I was talking to them today. We're trying to finalize things as far as the contest is concerned because we're really looking forward to having you share your opinion on the best video games of 2015. So uh, I think that's going to do it today because I, I know Glenn is, is is still probably rather famished. Uh, I'm sure coming back from work and, <laughs> and whatnot. So, uh, but uh, I just want to say to everybody out there, again, we're YourGameSource.com, GameSource on Facebook and at GameSource on Twitter. Um, but I want to also let you guys have your say as far as what to look forward to and what they... People out there should look forward to on all the great stuff that you guys are a part of. So, uh, Glenn, uh, again, tell us know what's going on with Glenn as far as and what should people stay tuned to?
1: Uh, Well, as always, uh, GamerCast is now a weekly format. So we post GamerCast for uh, regular listeners every Thursday at noon Eastern. I say regular listeners because we do have a Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash gamercast. And if you help contribute to the campaign to help us continue to make the podcast and pay for hosting fees and all that other wonderful stuff and get new gear and the like, uh, you do get a little bit earlier. Usually goes up Wednesday night uh, late in the evening for for folks who are contributing on our end and you get a longer episode and some extra bonus content as well. Um I uh, I don't know if I'm at liberty to talk about what's next for the Nintendo Quest crew. We uh, we spent a little bit of time talking about it on the podcast this week, so I may have to drop a little tease in there uh, for people to to follow. Um, Jay and Rob and I all have the gears turning, but uh, suffice it to say, we've got some ideas, and we're we're kind of excited to see what comes of that. Um, my recent life changes: I am now making uh, I'm out now making video games. I'm I'm working in production capacity at a Mobile developer based out of London, Ontario. Here called Tiny Titan Games. Our current game is Dash Quest, and you can find that on iOS and Android. It's an endless runner with RPG elements. We're really excited about that, so I'm I'm really, really, really pumped to be able to use my creative juices in a uh, slightly different way over there. So that's the sun has been very, very exciting for me these past couple of months as well. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's Glenn's projects
0: fair enough fair enough uh a lot on the table indeed uh and well speaking of a lot on the table uh it's been a great four year for ej and uh obviously just meeting you this year in person in the flesh uh, uh was one of the great uh, highlights and being a part of the uh, the the uh you know, all this pomp and circumstance was that the uh, las vegas screening had to offer i was just again it's one of the truly just awesome moments of of my life as far as it's concerned, have greatest honors that i've had the privilege of doing as far as you know hosting that is for you guys is uh just just such a great honor indeed and but jay what do you have going on down here and uh, as far as it's concerned with all the great stuff you have going on with well galaxy far far away and much more
2: I, i'd like to say it's an honor to meet you man and to be on your show multiple times now i'm a really big fan of it so again anytime. Just uh, look me up, and I'm here. Um, Yeah, Galaxy Far, Far Away podcast, uh, hosted by myself and uh, my good buddy Josh Schmidt. Um, We're on episode four now, just all things Star Wars. You can find us on Facebook at a Galaxy Far, Far Away. Nintendo Quest. Rob and I are in the midst of writing um, a sequel. Yeah, so there is stuff in development, as Glenn was mentioning. We have definitely some concrete ideas that we're trying to flush out. Uh, that is in the future, I can say that. Uh, the immediate future holds uh, the NES game based on Nintendo Quest, which will start production soon. Um, so we're really, really excited about that. It's going to be, like like we talked about before, a Final Fantasy I kind of template. But again, we have to meet with the game developer and such to make sure that our imaginations aren't you know bigger than what we can actually achieve in this game. Uh, so that's in the immediate future, and of course, GamerCast with three three wise guys talking games, uh, just shooting the breeze and having a great old time. And that's of course all all that stuff can be found on Nintendo Quest, NintendoQuest.com NintendoQuest dot com and uh, Facebook. It's uh, GamerCast with Jay, Robin, Glenn. So thanks again, my friend. I do appreciate you having us.
0: Uh, absolutely, it's been a great pleasure indeed to have both of you on. You're always welcome on the show every time, anytime you want. Uh, To to shoot the breeze on video games or Star Wars, uh, especially with with, uh, this is now going to be a yearly basis now. And, you know, credit Disney um, for just, you know, going out all out as far as, you know, taking out all stops as far as doing this on a yearly fashion. Some people may get tired of it, but for Star Wars fans, indeed, this will soon be a a great way to experience indeed. So I, I agree. Because if you were if you were a fan of the expanded universe and you were sad to see the the expanded universe being pushed to the side, so to speak, you know I, that will be probably replaced here within the next five ten years, as far as with all the things that are going on in the new canon, because there's going to be so much more in the new canon uh, going on as as far as it's concerned. So. And really um,
2: quickly, I'm just a, I'm a big fan of what Disney did with the Marvel fran the Marvel franchises and how everything is tied together, kind of with the Avengers all the way down to the TV shows, the Agents of Shield.
0: Yeah, and
2: they're talking about tying stuff in with Star Wars Rebels to the spinoffs to the Skywalker episodes. So, I mean, I'm all for it, man. I think it's they just they just run it fantastic.
0: So, I can't wait to see what's going on. Can and go I I am as well. I as well, uh, Glenn. Your your final thoughts or.
1: Oh wow! Uh, Just that uh, I'm really excited to do this. It's really fun. I I appreciate uh, the invite to come and uh, chat with you guys for a little bit. And uh, I love podcasting. I'm I'm always overjoyed to get a chance to do it with uh, anybody I can. So always a pleasure to do that stuff. And uh, I guess all I will say is it's been a really really great 2015 for me, in large part due to Nintendo Quest and. Uh, at least one of the guys on the other end of this video conferencing thing, and uh, at least one other guy who's uh, somewhere in the area you are in right now, Gerald. Um, It's it's been a privilege to to do this with these guys every week and and to go out and get a chance to tour Nintendo Quest and and do the Power Tour, which everybody's able to see in those streaming episodes that have been posting monthly now. And um, I'm I'm so grateful for it. It's been a great ride, and I, I love doing it. And uh, I'm so appreciative of everybody who's been supporting us and watching us and listening to us and, and helping us uh, kind of keep this train rolling. It's been been quite a ride. So uh, so thanks, all the best, and uh, happy holidays to everybody out there. And and I hope you and yours have a wonderful holiday season and uh, look forward to more stuff.
0: Absolutely, and I do as well. And and once again, if if you are definitely if you are looking for a great podcast to follow, GamerCast is the deal. Uh, also, as well, Galaxy Far, Far Away. Do, make sure, you, if, you, if you really want that extra cover, bonus coverage, Patreon, be a part of it as far as the GamerCast is concerned. And, of course...
1: Your uh, check's in the mail, Gerald.
0: Uh, no, no, just send it back. <laughs> just, just keep, it, keep it in-house, because I know how much it is as far as running uh, uh, you know, a site and all this other stuff. So believe me, uh, I know as far as the costs are concerned. All too well, especially when you're stuck with a bill when you don't expect it but we won't go there. But, uh, and, and also as well, I do want to make sure that everybody again takes a, a, gets a chance to, to understand that Nintendo quest is the, one of the best films period of this year. One of the best uh, rated films of this year. And if you don't believe me, go to NintendoQuest.com and you can find out how to order it for yourself. And you'll be a believer as well. So for Jay Bartlett, Glenn, and, oh, sorry. You just want to say
2: thanks again brother um and uh it has been a great 2015 and uh i want to thank rob too who's not here um rob for you know coming up with such a great idea for nintendo quest and uh we really can't wait to show you guys what we have in store for the sequel so that's it i'm done thank you
0: <laughs> and absolutely you know big shout out to rob not only for being on the front end of this podcast uh, in the audio version as you will hear but also as well, you know, we, this all couldn't have been done as far as us being together on this podcast and us meeting and, and the whole community coming together without, you know, your efforts, Glenn's efforts, and also Rob efforts as well, uh, Retro City Games, uh, and the whole nine yards. We just really appreciate all you watching, all you listening. This is Gerald, better known as Yes Elvis Lives, along with Jay Bartlett and Glenn Stanway. Uh, we really, really, truly appreciate you, you watching, you listening um, it's another beautiful holiday in paradise, and you have yourself a great day.
2: Do you love games, breed games, and bleed games? Then this is the crew for you. If you are interested in editorial, podcasting, live events, and exclusive content, make sure to hit us up at info at yourgamesource.com and become part of a team that is dedicated to delivering all the greatest LAs
0: in gaming news and content, all here at yourgamesource.com.